think I'm in the younger demographic of filmmakers in Canada compared to a lot of the people that you've had on. So I think it's kind of an interesting and unique perspective, you know, coming from someone who's a little bit younger and who, you know, broke into the industry a little bit very recently. Totally. You have better advice sometimes for people who are just trying to break in because you literally just did it. Hello, 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 and welcome to Canadian Made, the podcast that goes behind the scenes of the Canadian entertainment industry to get to know the stories of the unsung heroes who make Canadian content. So if you love Canadian content, are aspiring to work in the industry, or a seasoned veteran, this is the podcast for you. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Connor Johnson, who you heard a little clip from at the beginning. He is an assistant director and producer. He's worked on narrative feature films as well as music videos. You may have seen some. He's done a music video with Drake, so you probably have. And in this episode, we really get into the weeds of how to break into the industry. And we talk about whether or not film school is worth it. And we also break down the things to think about if you're deciding whether film school is the right path for you. The thing I also like about this episode is how honest and open Connor is about his struggles early on in in his career to actually find stable work and what that process actually looked like. So if you're an aspiring filmmaker, if you're trying to break into this industry, this is an episode that you absolutely cannot miss. So with that said, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Connor. So just to start, maybe the best place for you to start is just to actually talk about your first, the first job that you got in the industry. Oh, yeah. Okay. So first job um, that I ever got in the industry, which is is crazy to say out loud now, and I don't recommend anyone doing this. Uh, nobody do this now, but I went on Craigslist. I found a, I found a PA job on Craigslist. No way. Uh, and I was in high school. And I ended up taking the the PA job and, you know, my mom, bless her soul, was letting me take off some of the classes because she knew I wanted to do the film stuff. So I was missing a couple of days of school to do this PA job that I found on Craigslist. Long story short, that was the first time that I really got introduced to a film set. Actually, that's a lie. I started out as an actor when I was 15 and that's kind of what got me into the headspace of you know, I want to create um, content in film and I want to be in films. And then my first like actual crew job was in high school off of Craigslist, which again, I don't recommend anybody doing that. Don't take a job off Craigslist. We have way more reputable sources now, but uh, when I started, it was Craigslist. Okay. Uh, wait, was this in Toronto though, that you were taking this job? <laughs> it, yeah. So okay. it was the outskirts of Toronto. Um <laughs> And obviously me just being a keener as, as a young high school student, it was, it was a great thing for me. Um, but looking back on it, I, again, I don't recommend anybody doing that. <laughs> so, okay. So shouldn't go to Craigslist, but can you recommend some like more reputable sites that like people are okay to look at? <laughs> for sure. Like, okay. So there wasn't just Craigslist when I was, when I was starting up, there was also something called Mandy. Uh, anyone who's been in the industry for a little bit in the indie world, especially, knows about Mandy. 
Um, they've recently kind of fallen off and it seems like they've been replaced with, there's a Facebook group now uh, called I Need a Fixer Producer. And if you're in Toronto and you're working in the indie world and you really want to get your foot in there, um, that is the easiest way to do it. Jobs go up every day uh, and they're all in one spot. All, all these creators, all these filmmakers are in one spot in this big group, um, which really didn't exist when, you know, I started or if you started three or four years ago, this, this wasn't a concept that, that was really a thing. It was, it was Mandy and it was applying for jobs like that, from my perspective, at least. So, okay, so 16-year-old you is, like, hustling overtime to try to get into the industry. So then you obviously ended up at film school, but what happened until you got there? I'll just backtrack a a tiny bit. So I started at 16 as an actor. Um, That was my first taste of on set. I did a couple things. I got an agent. You know, I I did the thing. Um, I was living 45 minutes away from Toronto, so I was busing in for auditions, which was like an hour and 45 minute bus ride. And then I've like, after sitting there and, and being an actor and, and realizing that, you know, you're not the one, you know, moving the camera, you're not the one moving locations. You're not really making the film happen as much. You're, you know, you're a piece of, of, of this big moving puzzle. I wanted to be a part of the bigger puzzle. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was what initially like got me into wanting to do behind the scenes work, which in my first, my first case was a Craigslist PA job that those were the first initial contacts I made as a behind the scenes crew PA person. And that was what kind of got me interested and got me my first contacts to then build off of those. And then I went to college and I went to Humber college. I don't know if I should really say that after what I'm about to say, but I did drop out completely in my second year. So I had, Three years in my second year, I finished my second year and I completely dropped out of film school. Yeah. And so, okay, what was, so what was that decision like that, that you decided that you were going to drop out? Um, so I was, I had got the ball rolling when I was younger, as, as I was mentioning before, and I was able to like kind of build contacts off of that initial job that I got. And, you know, these contacts were just feeding into each other for a couple of years you know, while I was going through uh, my last years of high school, while I was going into college, these contacts were still rolling and I was still getting calls to be a PA. So by the time that I actually accepted my program and I was going to go to film at Humber College to do this, I was still working in the industry. Maybe not what I wanted to be doing, for sure. I wanted to, you know, excel as an AD and I wanted to produce, but I was just, you know, production assisting at the time. Um, but that going in with that experience naturally over the two years of my, uh, of the, the college term that I was actually in for, yeah, it just, it got out of control and then I had to drop out because it, it just wasn't worth it to be in school anymore. Hmm. So, okay. So if you had to say like why you feel like film school is not necessarily like the best route or the only route, what would you say? And yeah, I think I think what was really important about what you said is the only route, um, because I think that film school is the best route for a lot of people. If that's what you want to do, you know, if you want to go to school and you want to meet more people and you're starting from a very base level of not having any knowledge of what you want to do and not even knowing how to turn on a camera, then you're you're probably going to want to go to film school, you know. But if you have just a general interest in 
in film in general and, and you know kind of what you want to do and like, you know, you just kind of want to get thrown into it and be on set. You can do that from like start as a PA and, and, and work your way up. And from being a PA, you meet incredible contacts that you'll, you would never guess that you meet as a PA. Um, you know, you're talking to the producer sometimes, you're talking to the executive sometimes, and like you're talking to all the people in production that hire people on, on sets. You're in, a, you're in the ideal position to get hired again or to get recommended. Everyone in the industry has friends, you know? So if, if you're doing a good job for one person, they're going to recommend you because good labor and reliable labor is very hard to find um, a lot of the time. So uh, as long as you're, you know, putting your best foot forward on, on all these PA jobs that you're, you're going on, you're going to work more. Um, that's just the reality of the situation. So there's definitely like two ways to go about it. You could do the school route where, you know, you, you get recognized by the union a little bit more if you want to go and you want to apply right away. I know that was something that Humber College offered. For me, that wasn't really my interest. It was more, you know, I wanted to excel in what I wanted to do and I wanted to do it right now, which is, uh, you know, uh, obviously like the inpatient route, but it's worked out for me so far is what I'm, yeah I mean to be honest like in speaking with you I obviously speak with a lot of people from the entertainment industry all the time and like the one thing that I could that I would say about like what successful people have in common is like this hunger and this passion to like just go after it and so like listening to you speak it makes so much sense that you were always just going to be a hustler who could go and like make it happen but I totally understand that like other people might be like a little bit more intimidated to get a start so I think that your advice is really good it's like if you're this type of person you may need to go this route but if you're like if you resonate with the story I'm telling you and you're like genuinely a hustler who isn't afraid to like go after it and like you know sing for your supper then like just do it. <laughs> totally. And you, you, you got to know too, that like, there's one route that's a little bit safer. Um, yeah. And, and that's the film school route, you know, that's the safer route out of, out of both, both things. Uh, I remember just to give context for when I dropped out of school, it wasn't instant where I was working full time in the film industry. You know, I was doing what I had to do to still stay in the city and also, you know, do film. As soon as I dropped out of college, I was working a full-time landscape job and I just had to deal with them. If I get a film set, I got to take that off. I worked with them long enough that they agreed that that was okay because they knew that's what I wanted to do. And so I did that for about a year and then I never touched landscaping again. Wow. Uh, And I've worked full-time in the industry. But it, it took me in total, I would say like three or four years of building contacts before I really started working full time. And if you're taking the route of not going to film school, or if you're taking the route of going to film school, you got to understand that there's, there's years, there's years of building contacts and there's years of people recommending you to other people. And then that snowballing before, you know, you're at the point where you're sitting at home and jobs are coming in your email. That's years, you know, either way that you do it. So it's whether you want it, to be a little bit sooner. I mean, again, this is from my perspective. If you want it a little bit sooner or if you want to go the conventional route and you want to climb the union ladder, which is another thing that you can totally do. When you went to film school, I guess in the beginning, what were your ambitions? Like, did you always want to direct? Were you more into producing? Or was it a little bit of everything? I really didn't know, to be honest with you. I knew that uh, I liked being helpful on set. 
I knew that cameras were cool. I knew that, um, you know, productions were, were a big mix of, of different problems that you need to solve. I think that I really focused in on ADing kind of naturally from a production coordinator standpoint. So I, I did some PA work on, um, you know, a bunch of narratives, a little bit of music video. And then I started production coordinating for like different music videos. And then I was also third ADing, fourth ADing in narrative. So I was kind of, I kind of had my hands in like a little bit of production and like a little bit of ADing. And I had one really important person that I met actually uh, when I was 15 acting, her name was Gina. And she was a first AD and a producer in the city. And when I was 16, I was like, Gina, like, bring me out, bring me out. She's like, I can't bring you out until you're 18, man. Like, call me when you're 18. So when I turned 18, I emailed Gina and I said, hey, do you have any like PA jobs or something to get me into this? And that kind of like snowballed into me ADing with Gina. Um, and then I would eventually go on to third AD for Gina, second AD for Gina. And then I've taken over ADing. Uh, now I first AD. Amazing. Yeah. So if, if I can take a brief detour on your ADing, mm-hmm. what advice would you have for people who are aspiring directors? What makes a good AD? The, the one thing that's a, that's a really big thing that I notice is that, and, and this goes back to like what kind of generation you're from in a way, uh, or how you act based on, you know, how long you've been in the industry and what what time you really came up in the industry. And right now, I feel like we're at a time where people are really appreciating ADs that aren't, that don't bark and that don't, you know, really like push in like a negative way. I know that like the old way of doing things is like, oh, this is very like, it has to be this way. It has to be this. It has to be this. But now I feel like we're dealing with more flexibility in a little bit more of a a sensitive world. And I think it's, it's a good thing, but I think what makes me personally successful as an AD, and I can only, I guess, talk from personal experience is that I feel like I'm able to juggle the stress of a really busy day and still make people feel like all the work they're doing is valid. And it's a good final product, if that makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes it's your, you have to just be a team player and being a team player is what what's asked of you and what's necessary. And I think that being calm in a crisis and being nice to people when you're really stressed is actually a skill I wish more people had Then I'm truly shocked more people don't have. Yeah. And like, I think that's where, I think the reason that I answered that way in particular is because I think that's where I kind of found my little stride was, you know, I'm able to move the day along I'm able to schedule things properly and I'm able to get us all of our scenes in the time that we have. And, you know, nobody's, nobody's sending out death wishes for me because I'm not, you know, I'm not making people feel bad. Everyone there is there to do a job. They want to do their job as best they can. Uh, And I'm there doing the same thing. I'm running a schedule with, you know, there's a book, there's 20 creatives running around doing, doing crazy things. And they're all trying to accomplish their individual goals that all adds up into this huge goal that is our film. And that's all of our final goals. Uh, so why not work with those people and, you know, push them up to that point instead of pushing them down when things aren't going to plan, nothing's really going to go fully to plan. That's just the way it works in this industry. So when you, when you approach it with that kind of mentality, I think that's what kind of sets you apart from, 
you know, maybe the people that came before you and kind of makes way for a new generation, if that makes sense of, yeah, like-minded people who, yeah, I'm trying to be careful what I say too, because I know there's a lot of, uh, I, I know a lot of older ADs and I'm not by any means dissing older ADs. There's just different ways of doing things. Totally. So I want to go back to something that you said before about how you felt you were able to like accelerate your career more quickly. And if you can give like maybe tools or advice uh, for people, you know, maybe they won't be able to emulate it, but you know, who are aspiring to like get after and get going. One of the best tools uh, right now. Okay. So if we're starting from, you know, we don't know anybody in the industry We don't know what's going on. We don't know what we want to start doing. The first thing that like I would do personally is, you know, use these resources we have online. We have this Facebook group that I talked about earlier. There's 60,000 filmmakers from Toronto in that, in that Facebook group that are hiring every day. There's also another group called hire a production assistant. That's what you need to start doing from the very beginning. If you want to just break into the industry right away and start making money and getting experience at the same time. I would say use those online resources to build up your initial contacts. And then once you have those contacts, all the resources you need are right around you. They're all your peers. So it's like, you know, as long as you're, you're a joy to be around on set, um, you know, cause it's not easy being around people for 12, 14 hours a day. And it doesn't, it doesn't cut it. If you're just good at your job, if you're not a good person, nobody wants to be around you. So, you know, then, then your resources, after you've built those initial contacts, then your resources are all around you every time you go to work, which is cool because it's, you know, all, all it really takes is human connection for you to get the next job. You know, that's how it rolled for me, at least, is, you know, look at the people around you, who's doing the thing that you want to do, and make sure you ask those people questions and make it known that that's what you want to do. Like, I don't want to be a production assistant forever. Obviously, I want to be doing this. You know, and I was talking to people about ADing well before I was ADing. And that that kind of built the initial foundation for me to actually branch out and do that. And it wasn't the people that hired me as a PA that hired me as a first AD. It was the people that hired me as a PA recommending me to other people to be like a good, you know, worker and like reliable and then like a couple contacts removed, that's when I started ADing. Like it wasn't the initial contacts that uh, hired me as a PA that eventually got me my first AD. It was offshoots of contacts, you know, and you can trace contacts all the way back to the first person that you met, you know, like, uh, but they're, they're going to look at you as a PA for a little while. So you need to understand that the people that are hiring you as a PA, you're a PA to them. So, you know, when you prove yourself to, you know, their friends, their peers, they automatically kind of look at you different after that, but they're, they're probably not going to go to their way to hire you as a first AD if they've been hiring you as a PA. So it's like kind of the offshoot contacts that, that I found to be good leads for starting new things that I wanted to do in the industry. Interesting. So when you started ADing, you've done a ton of music videos, obviously, our music video is kind of like the better way to get more of the experience that you're aspiring to get. Do you want to go back into like narrative scripted or are you just like loving music videos? What's, what's sort of the master plan? 
So I actually, what we, me and my, and when I say we, I mean my team, I have a second AD, his name is Gavin Good. I bring him on every job. I actually met him in college, funny enough, but separate from that, uh, and we both dropped out. So separate from that, um, we do narrative features quite often. Like we did, I think we did three or four narrative features last year. Um, and in between we do music video commercial. So what we find really cool about these two kind of worlds, because um, once you get to know the film industry a little bit, if you're just joining up, there's two kind of avenues in general terms that you can take. And that's, you can either do narrative or you can do commercial and music video. And they're different worlds. Commercial and music video people, uh, I find a lot of them love to do narrative, uh, but they don't have the opportunity to because a lot of their contacts are laid in commercial music video. And narrative same thing a lot of the people that are calling them are in the narrative space but they would love to work on you know a drake video or whatever and those those worlds kind of there's very i feel like there's not too too many people that do both very consistently i feel like it's more common in like an ad role but in terms of like text and stuff like that i i don't i just feel like those are two separate worlds and it's always felt that way to me um, and all the contacts I have in either of them are, are very, very separate. Like the, the contacts that I have in commercial and, and music video, I have never been called by them to do a narrative and vice versa. I've never had a narrative producer call me about a commercial. Yeah, there's two kind of avenues you can take. It depends really what you want to do. But like starting out just to get experience, either one works. If you want to test out both and you want to hop between the worlds, you can totally do that. So do you have any personal ambition to like specialize or are you anywhere and everywhere? Honestly, I would really, uh, my, our end goal is to produce in the, in the commercial music video world and then AD and narrative. I feel like AD and narrative is a lot of fun. It's like a, a super, super big puzzle. I mean, music videos and commercials can be as well, but in narrative, it's like this huge puzzle that like, you know, it's a, it's a 90 page script. It's a 120 page script. And you got to make that make sense in 35 days, which is fun to me. And like moving around the days and understanding how each day affects what's coming after that. And um, that, that kind of puzzle is fun to me. I really want to produce uh, music video and commercial because I consume a lot of music videos. I love music videos. So that's why I kind of got into that space. A little bit more too and I wanted to kind of hop between the two and like you know commercial music video you make a little bit more money in a short amount of time and features is more like you got to dedicate three months of your life to this movie and then after that you can you know do what you want to do um, but definitely different for different people if you want the quick do this job get paid for it move on next job you definitely want to go commercial music video if you want to sit in a project and work on a project with a bunch of people for an extended period of time, then I would say you would want to go more feature, you know, you could focus on either. You could do both. Knowing which one you like best is great. Yeah. That's interesting. So if you had to pick a moment from your career so far that you feel like maybe was your proudest moment, what would you say? What's really cool is for the first time, I'm flying to Newfoundland actually in about 18 days. For a feature? For a feature, yeah. Yeah, we're going on location uh, in like a pretty remote part of Canada. 
well, seemingly remote, I guess, compared to Toronto. And we're out there for three months. So I'll leave in, you know, about 20 days and I'll get back in October. I have done destination shoots, but they've been close enough to drive home to. Um, so this is kind of a interesting experience because we're going to be in the middle of nowhere for a pretty long time uh, in a place that I've never been. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, ADing like that is also challenging, but it's also rewarding because you have to not only learn the schedule and, and learn the movie and learn what you're shooting, but you also have to learn your surroundings, which is kind of interesting because you get plopped there. You got a month to figure it out and then you better know where everything is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's a, that's kind of the experience that I've had with doing destination shoots. And that's what I'm most excited for now. That's, that's what's next on the queue for me. That's really exciting. And I, and I will say that the producer who's doing that is like the best. Like I think he's produces such great content in Canada. So I'm actually really excited to see this next feature because uh, I think it's going to be great like everything he touches is like awesome so yeah I've, I've seen a lot of this stuff and I've, I've heard a lot of good things so I'm really excited to be out there with such an awesome team and like in such an awesome place too looking at pictures of you know Newfoundland I hope I can yeah, yeah. whatever it's fine to say Newfoundland um yeah. there's like only five things shooting but people have to go figure it out so yeah they'll figure <laughs> it out eventually and yeah but I'm super excited to go out there and shoot that because not the script is awesome. Um, you know, that's another thing I love about narrative is you don't get that same kind of, I don't at least get that same type of fulfillment from, you know, a four minute video as I do from a 90 minute feature. Um, it's definitely like, I can remember looking at this movie uh, in its entirety every, every day and what we filmed on each day and, you know, what slowed us down or, you know, what made us really happy or, you know, what was like, you know, those, sh uh, those shots when we're at the monitor where everyone's just like, oh, that was awesome. Like, you know, you remember all those little moments when you're watching a feature and when you've worked on a feature. I feel like it's the same with music video too, but, you know, you're on for one or two days and not 35. So there's a little bit less of like a, a memory for me. It's more like, oh yeah, we filmed the music video on those two days. I couldn't tell you what was on each day, you know? Totally. Well, that's, I'm really excited for you. I can't wait to hear how that all goes. My, to juxtapose that, I do want to know like a time in the industry that you thought, oh my God, I'm never going to make it. How am I doing this? How am I going to, you know, afford KD for dinner? Uh, that kind of like time and how you got through it, how you pushed on. Yeah. Going back to kind of working, dropping out of school, because um, when you're in school, it's it's okay because you have OSAP and you know you feel somewhat financially supported. But as soon as you drop out of out of school, and this is a warning for anyone who, I mean, hopefully nobody listens to this and just decides to drop out right away. If you do, I'm I'm sorry. Tell your parents I'm sorry. But they take away OSAP, right? Like they're not giving you payments like they used to give you. So you go from having these uh, payments that you get from the government to having nothing. Um, so if you don't have anything in place to kind of like, you know, keep yourself afloat while that's happening, you're not going to have a great time. But one time for me where it was just like, it really just, I thought that this was not going to happen was, uh, I was waking up at 4am. I was living, uh, actually in Rexdale, uh, near Humber college. Uh, and I had a bunch of roommates that I went to school with and they were all going to school cause they were still in the program. 
when they were still in school. And I was getting up at 4 a.m. to catch the bus to go to Brampton to do landscaping. So I was working from like, I was leaving my house at 4 a.m. and I was getting back at like 5, 6 p.m. Um, just so I could stay in the city enough to keep the dream alive. And in that time, there was a lot of days that went by and there was a lot of weeks that went by where I was applying to jobs and nothing was happening. So I just, I kept applying, kept applying, kept applying. And, you know, the people that the contacts you make don't have work all the time for you. That's what's important to know too, is that you need to make a, a variety of contacts. So you're working all the time because when so-and-so doesn't have a job for you, this other person does, you know, and like you kind of, that's how you juggle those. But that, it was at a time where I didn't have that many contacts. So, you know, the few people that I did have in my circle at the time or that knew me, you know, didn't have a job for me at that time. So I had no choice but to go uh, and do landscaping so I could pay my rent and stay in the city. One very crucial thing for me was being in the city. though. That was, that was something that was so important because you know, it was just a, a bus ride away from set. But I remember, yeah, coming home one day from work and, you know, sitting down with my Mr. Noodles because that was really all I was eating at the time and, and, and pasta and bread. Like that was, that was literally all I was eating at the time, just trying to make it work. And I remember just like having a moment where I applied to a, I applied to a job and I was just like, well, nothing's coming to this because nothing came to the last 10. And then, you know, sure enough, I said that out loud. And then that was one of my, my bigger contacts in the industry as well was just, you know. So one thing I would say, too, is like, you know, if you've applied to 10 jobs, apply to 15 and just keep going because you never know which one is going to connect you way further than you ever imagined. So before I let you go, do you, did we miss anything? Do you have any, any advice about, you know, something you wish you knew sooner in the industry? If I had one advice, you know, for, for anyone starting out in the film industry or anybody, you know, trying to get their footing, the, the best thing that you can think of is making contacts in, in terms of just applying to everything you can. If you're interested in something, apply. Obviously, if you're not qualified for a job, don't necessarily throw your, your name to the hat. If you've never touched a camera, you know, don't pretend you can focus pull. Um, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, you don't want to, you want to make all the impressions that you eventually make in the industry. You want them all to be positive. So, you know, lean into your strengths and lean into the things that naturally you do. So like as a, as a production assistant, one prerequisite, you just got to work hard and you got to be reliable. And, you know, my biggest advice to anyone starting in the industry is just be hardworking and reliable and, you know, be, be able to be on set with people for extended periods of time and just give it your best go. Like that's the, that's literally it. It sounds cliche, but like, as long as you're hardworking and, and, you know, you really care about what you're doing and you, you care to understand what you're doing. Um, people are always going to hire you back. Uh, we've worked with countless, countless people that just didn't get it. And it was very clear that they didn't get it or they weren't trying to get it. Um, and that's, that's another thing is just like, you put your best foot forward. Um, you ask questions when you need to, you work hard. If you say you're going to be there at a certain time, you're there at that time. Um, and that was, I would say that's the biggest thing to building initial contacts is just being reliable, always being the person that's like, yeah, I can solve that problem for you. Don't worry. You know, that's the kind of the gist of getting started, I think. And then from there you branch off into whatever you want to do. 
<laughs> That's amazing. So my last question for you is if you can recommend a piece of Canadian content that you think people should check out. In terms of Canadian content, I think that one thing that's really, and talking from a different world, not, not narrative filmmaking, but what's really cool about Canadian content in terms of com commercial and more specifically music video is, you know, we have quite a few big stars that are, that are from Canada that actually bring their videos back here and give, you know, people the opportunity to be on this bigger set and, and, you know, be a part of this bigger thing, which I think is really cool and kind of underrated about the Canadian music video industry is that there's a decent amount of pretty big artists that bring their videos back here, you know, whether they're from Calgary or they're from, uh, you know, wherever in Canada, Vancouver. Um, I mean, Vancouver, they, they tend to shoot over there as well, but you know, a lot of things come to Toronto is what I'm trying to say. So uh, if you ever get a chance, look up some music videos that have been made in Canada and you can see, like, you might be surprised at some of the content you've ingested yourself that you didn't even realize, oh, that was filmed down the road. There's a lot of videos like that, um, especially when you're talking about, like, you know, Drake, The Weeknd, people like that. And, yeah, there's just tons of, of, of opportunities to, to make music videos and beyond music videos in Canada. And you've worked on Drake music videos. So was that like a total pinch me moment when you um, were there or were you just like, yeah, yeah, this is like Tuesday. <laughs> the, the first, the first one was, cause I've done, I've done two and I was a second AD on both of them. The what's next, which was the first one that I did was literally a call that day. Hey, can you be on set in three hours? It's an overnight. Uh, I was like, okay, what's the music video for? And they were like, Drake. And I was like, yep, see you then. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that one was kind of like a, a like pinch me moment a little bit. Cause it was like, oh, like I really like Drake, you know, like it was kind of a cool <laughs> thing for me. Um, and then like, you know, after working on music videos for other artists like Tate McRae and uh, Johnny Orlando, um, which are also bigger artists from Canada, I would say, or on their way at least. Yeah, after that and, and, and continually doing music videos and commercials and also seeing big stars in narrative, it, it became more of a, okay, these people are humans. They're not celebrities. Um, we're at work. You know, the, the, the pinch me moment kind of went away and I don't really get that anymore. But um, I, I get the pinch me moment when uh, a beautiful shot is lined up and you know, we, we do it flawlessly and all the background are, are going on their proper takes and, you know, the camera sliding in just right. And, you know, it lands on that final mark and it's all in focus. That's the pinch me moments for me. It's not the people, you know, that have a million Instagram followers or whatever it is. That's not, that doesn't, that's not what does it for me. It's the, you know, just the craft of doing all the things and having everything work in, in symmetry. Well, that's beautiful. That's very, very, that I almost had a tear come to my eye. Stunning. <laughs> be behind the monitor crying. Yeah. <laughs> Every time yeah. something works out. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, thank you so much, Connor, for taking the time. This was a lot of fun and I learned a ton. Great. No, thank you for having me. This has been, this has been so fun. Uh, <laughs> and I'm always, I'm always uh, interested in, you know, talking to the younger people trying to join film and you know any, any opportunity I can get to insert any bit of wisdom that I have if I, if any at all then, <laughs> you know um, 
I, I, I would definitely want to do that. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Thank you so much for listening. And if you love the show, the best way that you can support us is by heading to your podcast app and leaving us a five-star rating and a review. It's the best way to help people find our channel. And of course, share it with a friend. See you next Wednesday.